Welcome, everyone, to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips, too. So let's get the show started. We have a fantastic show for all our Food Farms and Chefs fans as we first hear from Bucks County Food Shed Alliance, then learn Komodo style of cooking with Master Barbecuer, and we end our show on a sweet note with a popular dessert and coffee shop. Hi, I'd like to introduce everybody to two of the board members of the Bucks County Food Shed Alliance. Um, I want to introduce you to Chef Kelly Unger, who is the owner of the Rooster and the Carrot Cooking Studio, which is a farm-to-table cooking studio uh, for cooking classes. And then she's also the market director at the Doylestown Farmer's Market and the director of Bucks County Food Shed Alliance, along with Joni Garcia, who is joining us as well, who is one of the directors of Bucks County Food Shed Alliance. Now, seeing as how both of you are on the board of Bucks County Food Shed Alliance, who are you guys? Who who encompasses it? And, you know, who what are the, some of the goals of Bucks County Food Shed Alliance? The Bucks County Food Shed Alliance was founded in 2006 by a grassroots uh, group who wanted to make the bounty of our local farms more accessible to our community and provide organic farmers predominantly at the beginning, but all farmers in our area really with a market for their products. So the first initiative when the group uh, founded itself was to create a farmer's market, which is now the self-supporting year-round Wrightstown Farmer's Market. And then in 2017, we were asked to take over the Doylestown Farmer's Market, um, which is the oldest continually operating farmer's market in Bucks County this year, celebrating 47 years. And uh, both markets are producer-only markets. Um, so you have to either grow or make what you sell at the market. And if you make it, it needs to be from local ingredients or sources. And today, BCFA's activities continue to expand and evolve in order to keep building a resilient local food system through connection, education, and collaboration. Now, um, <clears throat> what are what are some of the other goals that that you guys have um, as far as supporting small farms? Yeah, so I can go ahead and take that question. Um, and just to give you an idea of kind of who we are and who some of the board members are um, also. So we are an all volunteer board and we have one paid administrator and we're actually hiring at the moment. We're hiring for our administrator position. Um, and each board member possesses a fairly unique skill and knowledge set, which tends to complement um, each of the other members. So each of us, uh, we feel like knows a different piece of the local food puzzle. And then together we're kind of able to put it all together. So on our board, we have a farmer, we have a chef, we have Chef Kelly, um, soil experts, professionals proficient in food access. We also have advocates, a registered dietitian, 
Um, and all of us are diverse, but similar in that we are really passionate about, about the community and also sustainability. So it's kind of a little bit about who we are. And then as far as our goals for the group, we do have two big overarching goals for BCFA. Um, the first is to strengthen our farming economy. So right now our board is focused on helping conventional farmers convert to regenerative or organic farming practices. And this was actually the main topic of our farmer forum that we held earlier this month, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. And then secondly, we're focused on improving the availability of local, healthy, sustainably grown food for all members of the community. And this is accomplished in a variety of ways through our farmers markets, through farm tours, educational programs, and also our food access initiatives. Now, um, off of that, um, I I will say that I I know that one of the big trends right now is just you know becoming more green. Um, what are you know, and that would co- correlate correlate with your educational programs, I would believe. Do you offer you know classes to individuals who are trying to learn how to you know farm as well? Well, um, not specifically who are. Uh, trying to learn how to farm because we have a lot of great community resources to do that. DelVal um, University for one, but um, our farmer forum uh, that we just had um, brings our farmers together. We have that every year. And as Joni just said, we, we just had our annual farmer forum and uh, we had a guest speaker from Rodale talking about um, how to help farmers who are conventionally farming um, using uh, minimal spraying or spraying or that kind of thing, uh, uh, transition to becoming organic or regenerative um, and how that really will improve their bottom line. So that was the main topic this year of our farmer forum. So we have that every year. And we do offer um, educational programs. Some years we have them every month. um, And some years we have them um, periodically, like quarterly throughout the year for gardening programs, um, food security, food independence programs, things like that. Um, We also have a small farmer grant program, which we're really excited about. Um, And our grant program helps local sustainable farms expand their businesses, enabling them to be more efficient and productive. So they must be an existing farm and our grant can help them with things like small capital improvements, like uh, building hoop houses, or um, uh, chicken coops or critical equipment that they need and a a, a wide variety of other things that they need to grow their farm um, and maybe even become more um, regenerative. If they didn't start out that way, they wanna move towards organic regenerative agriculture to help them get there. Um, And then we also offer uh, summer farm tours uh, every year. So in the months of June, July, and August, uh, we gather uh, the community on various farms throughout the area. And, you know, we we have the uh, farm owner tour them through the property. And, you know, of course, if they have animals on the property, which 90% of them do, you know, you get to see all the different animals and um, learn how they uh, approach farming specifically to what they do. Um, And those are always really fun. And we have a potluck dinner that goes with that. And so it's just really nice community building 
and a chance for the community to get on the farm and learn more about the farmer, connect with the farmer in a much deeper way. Um, and, um, and then of course our farmer's markets, which I talked about are our two farmer's markets, Doylestown Farmer's Market and the Wrightstown Farmer's Market. And they really manifest our mission and are crucial to maintaining a vibrant local food system and economy. And um, we're very proud of both of our markets. They're doing really well. And also I wanna mention um, on our website, we have a local food map that one of our board members worked particularly hard on. And so anyone can just head to our website, bucksfoodshed.org and take a look at all our food map. It's interactive, so it's coded for restaurants that are using uh, or sourcing from local farms. You can find farmers markets, um, you can find CSAs, you can find farms that have uh, on-farm markets and things like that. So it's a really great resource for the community. Um, now this, I, I love that you mentioned CSAs. I might, you know, circle back to that later, but um, this is for you, Kelly, specifically. Um, what drove you to become a key member um, of the Bucks County Food Shed Alliance and how do you, as a chef, add to the Alliance's efforts with your culinary skills and how, you know, your your history in the culinary world? Well, so I got involved. Um, I was I first got involved by doing a chef demo at the Wrightstown Farmers Market and then uh, met a couple of board members there and uh, was asked to join the board. And uh, after much consideration, uh, I did just because of, you know, the time that it takes and, and so forth. And so I joined the board in um, 2016, it was. And um, we at, at that time, we were we were just been asked to take over the Doylestown Farmers Market. And as a new board member, I didn't have a committee assignment yet. And so uh, we were talking about the farmer's market and all right, so who is going to oversee this farmer's market and sort of everybody looked at me and said, well, Kelly, you're a chef, so surely you would want to, that might be something you'd be interested in. And I was like, oh, I guess that sounds good. I mean, at, at the time I hadn't opened up the rooster and the carrot yet. I was teaching um, cooking classes, but I was doing that somewhere else. And um, so I thought, yeah, well, that seems like a really good fit. I've never run a farmer's market before, but you know, we had a market manager, et cetera. So I thought, what the heck? Um, so I did that and didn't realize how much work goes into running a farmer's market. But um, so I had to, to hire a new um, market manager because the other one had, had left and sort of like was it was a sink or swim kind of uh, baptism by fire, I guess, really, of how to run a farmer's market. Um, but I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it and have been able to put my sort of own stamp on the market. Um, the current market manager that we have now, Alex Dadio, she's absolutely fantastic and brilliant. And um, so we work so well together. So the two of us have put our stamp on the market as far as cultivating the correct vendors that will adhere to the mission of the Food Shed Alliance. But I think, um, so finding those uh, vendors 
um, has been, it's been helpful to be a chef to find those vendors as far as, you know, you sort of know who knows what they're doing and doing it the right way. Um, but I think because I teach cooking classes um, and I'm talking to consumers all the time about where they are on their food journey, you know, uh, everybody wants to eat healthier. Oftentimes they don't really know how or what. And so my cooking classes being farm to table is kind of a draw for that. And um, so I think I also, if they don't know about our two farmers markets, I help uh, drive them to the farmers markets, but then, um, and uh, educate them about the nutritional benefits of the produce that they're likely to see at the markets. And I just feel like I'm kind of a connector uh, um, on the board with connecting people to the produce and encouraging them to ask farmers questions, but also giving the farmers feedback as well, because, you know, I know what people are, are sort of interested in eating or willing to try. I get that feedback in my cooking classes all the time. Um, but then our farmers, you know, when they want to maybe try growing a new crop or something, then they know they can count on me to support them. Um, with recipes at the market. I also write our uh, Doylestown Farmers Market newsletter. And I always have recipes in there um, every week. So they know that they can count on me to support them with recipes for whatever crop they're growing and help educate the customers and encourage them to go ahead and try a new vegetable or, or whatever it is. And um, at the end of every season, we always survey our customers to find out what they'd like to see next at the farmer's market. And actually this year, it was great to see that they wanted to see different types of vegetables at the market, which is awesome. So I think that, you know, again, our farmers know that they can count on me to help the customers with recipes and give them that feedback that this is what the customers want so they can feel confident enough to put their time and energy and money into growing different crops. So I sort of feel like that's where I, where I help out the most. That's exciting because I know for me, like as somebody who's a home chef, um, when I do get time to actually cook, I love using, you know, ingredients that are outside the box and, you know, CSAs and farmers, you know, s small farms and, uh, you know, they offer things like that where they'll throw in something that's like unusual. So I love the idea that, you know, you have farmers that are coming to you for for that. Um, now, off of that, you also give advice and talk a lot about farm to table on the radio. So I wanted to to bring up that you have you're also on the radio yourself with um, I forgive me, but I believe it is I. Uh, WDVR. Yeah, WDVR. It's yes. 89.7 FM. Um, yeah, WDVR. So every Monday, my show is just on um, at three o'clock. Uh, I'm part of Let's Talk. And my particular show is um, uh, the Farm to Table Report. So when the farmer's market is in season, of course, I'm telling you each week what you're going to see at the farmer's market. And then in the off season, um, I'm talking about uh, cookbooks and different recipes and different cuisines. I'm a cookbookaholic and a Francophile. So I like sharing my different cookbooks that I have. I probably have close to 200 cookbooks. So oh, wow. I was like opening up one and saying, all right, let's talk about this recipe or this cuisine or whatever. Today, actually, um, on, on my show, I was talking about uh, spring foraging. 
So I was talking about, you know, just as you're taking a walk, the different edible, wild edibles that you're likely to see just taking a walk. So dandelion, magnolia, violets, things like that. So um, yeah, so WDVR lets me um, talk about you know, food for about 20 to 30 minutes every Monday, which is awesome because, you know, it's hard to shut me up. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it when people can talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, you both have had a lot of success um, with the Bucks County uh, Food Shed Alliance and including the, um, the 81, 52, and 6, which was 81 farms, right, that are participating. Uh mm-hmm. 52 farm tours and six small farm grants. So why don't you tell us a little bit real quick about, you know, that? Yeah. So, well, we have a variety of um, successes that we've, uh, you know, we've been fortunate for. Um, And, you know, you had mentioned our small farm grants and we recently awarded a small farm grant to First Fruit Farm. And what they're going to be doing is adding a mobile chicken coop to their operation. So we're really excited to hear, you know, what's coming with that and, and how that shakes out. But some of the other um, successes that we're really proud of include, you know, having our two really wonderful self-sustaining farmers market. We have the Doylestown Farmers Market that Kelly, you know, mentioned. And then also we have our Wrightstown Farmers Market. And one thing that is also really great is that both of these markets um, were recently authorized to accept except SNAP EBT benefits or food stamp program benefits. And Doylestown started accepting them last year and they continued through the winter and they're going to continue into their spring and summer markets. And then Wrightstown recently got authorized to accept EBT and they're going to start accepting it for their summer markets. And on top of accepting um, federal benefits, um, BCFA is sponsoring a dollar matching incentive program. So whenever a customer comes in and spends $5 at SNAP, using their SNAP card at the market, they get an additional $2 in incentive dollars to spend that day or another day at the market. That's- so it really does help to stretch the food dollars of limited resource community members and then also put some additional money into our local farmers and producers. So we're really excited about that. That's huge. Um, yeah. And the funding for that incentive program was provided through the Ottsville location of Kimberton Whole Foods through their Roundup at the Register program. So we're excited to be able to continue with that incentive program this year. So that's something we're working on. Um, and yeah, and you know, we also work with local government. Um, so local government a lot of times will use us as a resource regarding local farming issues. So we were recently brought into a conversation about how to encourage more local restaurants to purchase directly from farms and use local ingredients. So we're happy to be engaged in that conversation too. That's exciting. And, you know, especially because the fresher the ingredients, the better it is for, you know, the people that are ingesting it, but also it'll, it comp the flavor comes out more when you're cooking totally. with fresh. Yep. Um, so now what else outside of all of those programs, which that, that was a lot to unload. What else, um, can we see with your 2022 season? Yeah, so we have the Doylestown Farmer's Market is going to be opening up for the season on April 16th. So that's coming up really quickly. So everybody mark their calendar and come out um, for our opening day. Um, The Wrightstown Farmer's Market is continuing their winter market through April. And then the summer market will begin in May. 
Um, and then in June, we're going to be launching a Feed a Family Support a Farmer program. And so this is something that's brand new, and we're really excited. And what we're going to be doing is using funding provided from a grant that we received from the Burpee Foundation. And we're going to be able to use that money to purchase excess produce from local farms and then donate it to shelters and food banks in the community. Um, and then the produce uh, that's donated will be accompanied by with, accompanied with nutrition education materials and different recipes. So who, people who are getting the produce know what to do with it. That's so great. So we're excited for that. Yeah. yeah. Especially for people uh, who are food insecure. That's wonderful. Yeah, we're really working a lot on um, our food access initiatives and making sure, you know, all members of the community, no matter your income level, have access to healthy local foods because it really is just so much healthier for you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, how how can people get involved with Bucks County Food Shed Alliance and get involved with some of the programs that you guys are offering? Well, we always uh, encourage volunteers. Um, we always need help with writing articles about food for our monthly BCFA newsletter. Um, and then with the summer farm tours coming up, we always like to um, have an article in the newsletter about the summer farm tour. So we definitely like to have volunteers for that who, if you like to write, that uh, might be right up your alley and write about food and farms. Um, and then uh, you can help out volunteer at both of our farmers markets. Um, and then we definitely need volunteers to drive the donated produce from our farmers markets to the donation sites for the Feed a Family Supportive Farmer program that Joni just talked about. Um, and then of course, uh, financial donations. If you are short on time, financial donations are always welcomed, appreciated and accepted on our website. That's and so uh, there's a contact form on our website that you can just uh, head to our website, bucksfoodshed.org and fill out the contact form and let us know there um, which uh, type of volunteering might suit you. That's that's wonderful. Um, now, how how else can they get in touch with you to take classes at the Rooster and the Carrot and um, find you guys online? So, uh, for my business, uh, the Rooster and the Carrot, you can um, head to the Rooster and the and I offer seasonal cooking classes. So the spring schedule is up. Unfortunately, all of the public classes are sold out right now. So, um, and I'll be taking a break for the summer. So I'll be back in the fall, but you can um, head to the roosterandthecarrot.com just to see what type of classes that I offer uh, to give you an idea of what might be coming for the fall. Um, and then my email um, at the Food Shed Alliance is, um, kelly.u at boxfoodshed.org and then joni is joni.g at boxfoodshed.org um, and if you can't remember any of those things you can always head to our website boxfoodshed.org and just fill out that contact form that's great now um do you have any other events that are coming up soon um, opening day is just a massive uh, event in and of itself, and it, we're, it's coinciding with Earth Day for us at the Doylestown Farmers Market. And also this season, because we are um, clear of COVID, we're going to start getting back to our tasting program. So 
Um, Pre-COVID, we would often have tasting events throughout the season. We primarily did it with tomatoes. You know, when you had the um, uh, different varieties of tomatoes, we would, you know, cut those up and people could sort of was like a taste before you buy kind of thing. And then our, you know, peaches and apples and things like that. But this year, we want to have a tasting event every month. And um, we want to help educate you about the different types of produce that are at the market that might look strange to you that you might not be familiar with. So those are really what our uh, tastings are zeroing in on this year, though we will also have a tomato tasting and a peach tasting because everybody loves tomatoes and peaches. But, um, you know, so our first tasting is going to be April 23rd and we're doing uh, microgreen shoots and leaves. Um, so we have a microgreens vendor at the market and she grows, gosh, every type of microgreen you can possibly imagine. So she's going to be um, participating in that and then our, and then micro leaves. Um, so um, you'll get to taste pea shoots and, you know, baby, baby herbs and things like that. So and they're bursting with flavor. And um, so every month we'll have some kind of tasting like that and um, obviously recipes to follow. Um, so we're really excited for opening day on April 16th. The market is open from eight to one and uh, everybody will just be so excited to finally be back um, on South Hamilton Street in Doylestown in the borough. And see all of our friends again. And our market is blessed with a lot of four-legged customers as well. We're a big dog-friendly market. So um, I know I'm personally excited to see all of our dog customers again, as well as our human ones. So uh, we're really looking forward to opening day. Well, I'm excited for you too. And I would be, I'm super excited for your microgreen tastings because I, I love like the bitterness or the pepperiness of a, a good basil that's a pepper basil or lemon basil, like, you know, even just the florals um, that are edible. So that's, a, thank there's you. A separate, yes. And there's a separate, I think it's in, is it June? I think in June we're doing specifically edible flowers. Oh, nice. That's going to be a fun one. Um, so it would be a good idea to subscribe to our weekly newsletter um, at the Doylestown Farmers Market. And um, our website is sort of attached to the Bucks Food Shed website. So you can just head to bucksfoodshed.org and you'll find uh, the Doylestown, it'll take you to the Doylestown Farmers Market website. And you can sign up for our weekly newsletter so you can get a recipe every week and education about um botanical information about vegetables and um, who's coming to the market. Every week we have live music, uh, Wrightstown does as well. Um, and uh, so we have just an amazing array of vendors and I'm really excited to sort of get the band back together and see everybody. So it's gonna be fun. All right, Kelly and Joni, thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And I wanna give a huge shout out to Jean who, um, outlined all of the questions for you guys to answer. Um, so Jean Blum, thank you so much for, for providing those for us. And we look forward to your opening day. Thank you. Thank you. 
Recording stop. To become a sponsor of our show and have your business or event promoted on every single podcast platform, two Philadelphia radio stations on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. evening drive time, an FM station in New York, and to the millions of Facebook users worldwide with access to the Facebook mobile app. Send us an email to either foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com or dining on a dime at yahoo.com. And we're back. Amorous Pollock, introduce us to your fabulous guests. Hi, everyone. I would like to introduce you to Ray Sheehan, who is a friend of the show and an author, a master um, barbecuer, and he has another book out called The Big Green Egg Basics from a Master Barbecuer. And I know for a fact he is a master barbecuer because I've tasted his food. I've read his previous book um, and I went through his new book. So, Ray, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Hey, thank you for having me on. Oh, no problem. I have to say you are one of the most friendly and like amazing cooks that I have come across um, with your, your smoked and grilled meats. Um, I still well, as thank you. Yeah, no problem. As I as I said prior to uh, you joining us on, on air, I was like, I still think about the stuff that I ate that you made. <laughs> So you're expanding your knowledge and in sharing it with us as well. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the Big Green Green Egg Basics book? Um, Well, the book came about because, um, you know, I met with my uh, with my publisher and my editor and we were discussing some different book ideas. And, you know, um, a few years ago, I actually won a Big Green Egg. Uh, my barbecue sauce, my Memphis mop, the barbecue Buddha Memphis mop sauce won first place at the uh, Sauce King, um, the Sauce King NYC sauce championship. And the grand prize was a big green egg. And I had been cooking on Komodo style grills for some time, but it wasn't until I got this egg that I was like, I really knew like how great that they, they were. And, you know, it's, um, so my idea was to do this book for beginners. Um, many years ago, I went into a pool store and they had these big green eggs and nobody there could tell me how to use this grill. <laughs> and I had to kind of learn it on my own and, you know, through trial and error. And um, so I wanted to demystify the fact that, you know, people think that they're difficult to use. And I wanted to um, just basically give them a solid foundation in how to use a Komodo style cooker. Um, so basically I cover everything in the book on how to set it up, lighting the fire, controlling your temperatures, and it's organized by technique. It, the book is all about technique. So each chapter is a different technique, whether it's hot and fast grilling, low and slow barbecue, slow fire roasting. And then I have two chapters on baking, uh, one sweet and one savory. That's kind of a nod to my baking background. I was a baker for a long time. Um, so I wanted to do some fun stuff on the grill there too. You, you know, you could basically use the big green egg as your, you know, that's your outdoor kitchen. So I wanted to get that across to the reader. Yeah. And, and I, I have to say you really outline each and every single step too. Like it, you go over everything. It's almost like for somebody like me, like you had said, you know, you learned as, as you went. I don't know anything about the big green egg. And actually I I was kind of like, okay, well what what makes 
or distinguishes the big green egg over other grills. Um, you go over that in your book, but for our listeners who um, who don't have the book in front of them because it's not out yet, but it will be, um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the big green egg? The, the big green egg is one of those pieces of equipment that you buy once, you know, like you don't have to buy five of them unless you want five of them. And there's plenty of people called eggheads that are really into it that have five of them. But they have a lifetime warranty. They're, they're built like a tank. Um, if you do happen to break the ceramic inside, they're really good with that. Like, they'll replace it for you. Um, once you get these guys, these grills hot, they're, they, re, they stay hot. So it's easier to, you know, lift, bring the temperature up than it is to bring it down. So if you put in a load of charcoal, it's going to be very economical when you're doing a slow and slow cook. You could run it for, you know, maybe 18 hours on a load of charcoal, depending on what temperature you're cooking on. So it's not like I have a different type of grill, a smoker that I use, and it, it's like a diesel truck. It runs through so much charcoal, whereas the big green egg, I mean, I, put, I load it once for a long cook. And the good thing is you can reuse some of that charcoal. Like if I do a hot and fast cook and shut it down, once it cools down the next day, I can stir up the coals and let the ash fall through the grate at the bottom and then just freshen it up with a couple new ones on top. And I'm not wasting all that charcoal. So, you know, for fuel consumption, for heat retention, uh, for longevity, I mean, I know people that have had these for, you know, 20 years and they have no problem with them. So the, the big green egg is, uh, I think famous Dave said it, you know, when he uh, wrote the endorsement for my book, he's like, if you're lucky enough to own the Ferrari of grills, it really <laughs> is. It's you buy it once and you don't have to keep replacing them with my gas grills. I used to have to replace them every four to four or five years. So this is really awesome. I was really thrilled with the big green egg. And you... but even, even that said this, these recipes, you, it doesn't, you can use them on any Komodo-style cooker. I just want to get that out there. You can use them if you have a Komodo Joe or if you have a Vision Grill or whatever Komodo-style cooker, it would translate well to that, you know, that same style of grill. And that's important to know. Um, but I, getting back to the big, big green egg, I, I want to also say that there's different sizes of the, the big green egg, too, which I thought was interesting because – you know, you don't have to buy the largest one. You can actually buy something that's smaller. Say, if you're like me and single, <laughs> you you only need a little amount. Right. And there's also the, the Mini Max, which has a really great, um, pretty good diameter. You can, you can cook some burgers on it. You could probably s slow smoke a small pork butt or a small uh, piece of brisket or something. But it's, you could take it with you. You could take it camping. It's, it's got the, you know, you don't have to put it in the, they call it a nest, the egg nest. So it would stand up. You could just put it on a picnic table or, you know, you could put it on the concrete wherever you go. It's great for tailgating and that's the mini max. So there's, yeah, right. There's different sizes and it's like, um, you know, a different size for different needs and different people. Exactly. Now, as far as um, the big green egg is concerned, too, and then before we get into, like, some of your recipes, um, what is one of the accessories that you found that you use more often than any of the other ones that are available? Mm, I would say the pizza stone. 
um, because I love cooking pizza outside and I love cooking it on the egg. So, and like with the big green egg, you, you really, everything is a la carte. So um, when you get your egg, it's up to you to decide what accessories. I didn't go big into the accessories for this book because I, and there's many, there's so many different accessories, but I, I didn't want to overwhelm the, the person that just got the egg and tell them, oh, you have to buy, you know, uh, all these different accessories to enjoy it because you don't, but they are great to have. Like, I love that. I know some people swear by the kick ash basket and it catches the ashes and makes it easier for cleanup. Um, you know, so there's, there's a bunch, uh, there's also a riser that you can use that, I, that I really like, but basically for me, it's definitely the pizza stone. I get so much use out of it. I, I love, I love a good pizza, especially with the, like the leopard spots. Yes. And I'm... you can, you can do, you know, um, you could do in the book, I do have uh, margarita pizza and garlic knots. That's my, uh, my New Jersey Philly connection. You know, I had to get that in there because uh, those are my favorites, but those are like easy things and they're like fun things that, you know, I want everyone to feel, you know, safe and fun and confident around this grill. So. Exactly. And, you know, I, w I want to bring up some of the recipes that you have in here because they made my mouth water actually right off the, 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 the start, you know, which some of them are your, your grilled steak, your steaks that are in there. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> then you have I know you have a cornbread that you uh that you make from scratch that's in the baking section um that I was looking yep. up um and salivating over um but one of the things that and I can't find it right now is uh, the pork butt which you actually mentioned before is such a tender dish um and so how you know I like that you you go over each step and like where you need to have the heat, where, how far you need to open up the, the, um, the vents uh, oh, yeah. for each step in your book. So I love, it's almost like a, I hate, I don't want to put it, associate with dumb, dummies guide, but it's <laughs> for somebody like me, it would be like a dummies guide to uh big green egg cooking. Well, you know, the thing is, is that you, I really wanted to focus on ensuring success. The most frustrating thing is if you do get some sort of a book and like a, like a cookbook and you're kind of like left hanging, like, well, how do you do that? You know, how you have to look at it through the eyes of someone who's never used it. I mean, there's recipes that are great if you've been egging already, but if you're just new to the, to the, this type of a grill, I would be doing a disservice to the reader if I didn't go through it kind of like repetitively and, and I mean, it's not like uh, I'm not talking down to the reader, but I want to give them the the right information. You and you don't you don't come off as talking down. You actually do come off as I'm educating you and giving you the best you know chance to have the most succulent dish that's going to come off the big green egg. So that's that's what I was trying to portray. Well, thank you. No and, problem. And, <laughs> you know, when you talk about um, there was a section I put in here, and it, it it's right around it's. It's like a little guide of, of, it's like how far to keep your vents open. And there's a couple different schools of thought. There's open the bottom vent this much and the top vent this much. I like to just open them both, but then 
it, I use that as a guide. So my guide in here will tell you for 250, open your vents about 10%, you know, and then 20% and, and keep going up as the more you want, the more you open your vents, the hotter your egg's going to get. Exactly. You know, so if you close off the air to it, you're going to bring the temperature down. And to me, it's just easier to, when I was starting out, to just do it that way. And that's kind of how I got used to doing it. So I just, and I tell the readers in the book, I just say, like, use this chart as a guide. It might not be exact because your conditions might be different. It might be hot or cold or windy wherever you are. But once you dial in your temperature on the egg and you cook with it closed, it's going to maintain that temperature. That Those thick ceramic walls in the egg will maintain your temperature even if it's 20 degrees out. So, but but that's why I say just use it as a guide. But I, I felt like I had to put that in there because that really helped me when I was first starting out. Exactly. And it'll help whoever, you know, picks up this book and wants to try to do Komodo-style cooking. Um, and like you said, they could right. use whatever they would like, Komodo-style uh, grill that is out there. But, you know, this is obviously you learned off of the big green egg which is like the, as you said, Ferrari. <laughs> of right. And, and just to put it out there, this is an independent guide. Um, I'm not affiliated with Big Green Egg. I don't work for Big Green Egg, but, um, but I really believe in their product. And I, I think it's like, you know, one of the best grills out there. And, um, you know, I, I, I pretty much am like glowing, uh, you know, gushing about it in the book, you know, so yeah. I just love it. So given that we are a food show um, and grills, grilling season is hopefully coming soon, today notwithstanding, <laughs> what, no. what is one of the first things that you would say go to and try out um, if somebody has a big green egg? Well, it's, I, I, I even say this in the book, like, you know, if you just got your egg, you don't want to, um, you know, you don't want to do the hot and fast grilling and go over like 350 degrees on your first cook because you don't want to, you want to give the, um, the felt lining, you know, the seat to the seal. Um, you want it to be able to adhere and like kind of seal itself to the, um, the gasket is what I'm talking about. You want the gasket to like seal. Um, so you don't have smoke coming out from the, where the top and the bottom of your egg meet. So, I say do something at a lower temp for the first three to four hours. So, and do something that's fun and easy and feeds the crowd. Do a pork butt. You could do, you know, that's something that you could let it go and let it go for, you know, seven, seven hours, eight hours if you want. And it's, it's, you, you can't go wrong with it and you're going to feed a crowd. So all that time is going to be worth the, the, the results going to be worth it. That's great. And I love pork butt. So I love that you actually said that. <laughs> um, now, believe it or not, uh, I hate to let you go because I always have fun speaking with you. Um, but unfortunately, we have to let you go. And, you know, maybe we can bring you back on uh, a little bit later on in the season. But, Ray, where can we great. where can we find you? When is your book out? And um, and thank you. Thank you for letting us know how to cook on the big green green egg. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, the book is out on 329, and you can find me um, on Instagram, BBQ underscore Buddha, B-U-D-D-H-A, um, Facebook, award-winning barbecue sauce, 
Twitter, BBQ underscore Buddha, or our website is BBQBuddha.com. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Ray. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Tune in to Dining on a Dime to hear from Gene Blum, our chef, educator, consultant, and historian. You can find him across social media at ibfoodie2 or Gene Blum at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. And you can also tune in to listen to Amaris Pollock and find her across social media at A-R-P-O-L-L-O-C-K-U-S at gmail.com. And we're back. Amaris Pollock introduce us to your fabulous guest. Hi, everyone. I'd like you to be introduced to Sarah She, who is one of the owners of Cake and Joe in Pennsport neighborhood of Philadelphia. Sarah, welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Yeah, hello, this is Sarah. <laughs> um, so you opened your 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 restaurant, Cake and Well, it's a bistro. You opened during the pandemic. What was that like? Um, yeah, the, we opened a new business in the pandemic. It's uh, not easy, but in during with everybody stay at home for a long time because of the COVID, and uh, I think we need to open some space just so like people can you know enjoy or get some good food, get some good dessert. Yeah, that's we just uh, make the decision just open in pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Now, your partner, Trista Tang, is the person behind the different cakes that are offered. Um, She learned from a French chef how much influence of the French uh, culinary culture is influenced in the cakes that you offer. Actually, in the the most cake, like we we did, the cake is from French style. But uh, uh, she learned in the school is in China and in Beijing. And uh, in China right now, we make some new dessert, new style. It's uh, like the like some make some fusion from China with the French, and they make the different thing. It is, and it's light and airy. I I actually had the pleasure of trying out three of your little mousse cakes. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're very, very good and full of flavor. Um, so what what can people, when they come to your cafe, expect from the, the mousse cakes? And, you know, what are some of the other beverages outside of the La Colombe coffee brand that they can have? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, what I'm are some do. of the foods that people can order when they come to cake and joe mm, you mean which, which cake is a is a good order um no which which of the like what are some of like the sandwiches oh yeah we have the a uh, really good breakfast sandwich and uh, have some um, special new style lunch sandwich and also have the mousse cake and uh, some cold drinks and also coffee and I know that you also have interesting drinks, like kalpis, I think they're, they are. What? Oh, yeah. We have the kalpis, also the refresher. It's both collection. And the kalpis is like a yogurt flavor, but it's still watery. It's not smoothie. And what mm. are the refreshers made out of? 
the refresher base will be sparkling water, and we made some homemade jam, also the fruit syrup. And I know that you, on top of the cakes and the kalpis and the refreshers, you also offer brunch. Can you tell us a little bit about your brunch offerings? And uh, uh, the, unfortunately, the, the brunch part, we just a temporary, just a temporary close a little bit because the, the, the labor problem, because it's really, really hard to hire people right now. And, uh, but during, before we, we did the brunch, it's a real popular for the, the all the customers they like. And and it yeah, we, you have yeah, you have di- no you're fine. Um and you offer things like shakshuka or like are you going to bring back the brunch soon? Yeah, we we still looking for the people and looking for uh, for the new new team for our kitchen. And if we find it, we just uh, bring our brunch back all the, you know, our French omelette, also the, um, yeah, we, we, we have another toast that is really popular. It's also from Chesa to the brunch part, and we also have a different dessert only for the brunch. The special desserts. I saw that. Yes, it's not, <laughs> it's not with. <laughs> I know, and it, I, I was excited because I'm hoping I'm hoping you bring back the brunch so I can, you know, try some of the other desserts. I had um your your coffee flavored mousse and it was like it's it's so light and airy and it has such a strong coffee flavor and then you have you have it on a biscuit. What is the biscuit that you you, you know, have as your base for the mousse? Uh actually the mousse normally is a it's not, not like normally cake. They use a lot of like cream and also butter. And so they need something to hold the mousse on the bottom. So we use a biscuit on the bottom. And yeah, and we, we all the mousse cake is not really too sweet. And because the Asian people normally not like too sweet things. And we just try to make the biscuit and mousse together to less sweet taste. And, and it tastes very good. Um, <laughs> I, I saw you have a mango. You have, like It's almost like a full slice of mango on top of um, one of your mousse cakes. What is What else is inside there? Uh, actually, uh, they have the mango mousse on around the, the base will be mango mousse. And inside we'll have the the mango jam and the mango jelly in the center. And we'll be also use that mango to the decoration. It's and it's beautiful and um and it sounds like a very good spring like pop of, of light, bright flavor. Um <laughs> so that's exciting. Uh and what are some of the the different coffees and lattes that you offer? Actually, my personal really like the rose latte, and uh, I like the coffee. I cannot drink, you know, really black one, but I also cannot drink a too sweet one. So in the middle, and they have a rose flavor, but it's not too sweet. And still, you know, latte is have a lot of milk and the coffee in there, so the rose latte is my favorite. Also, we have another, uh, the name will be the cream cream caramel. 
and we use the cream sauce and um, do the latte. It's a different than the caramel macchiato. It's a new flavor. That's exciting. And um, so, what what are some what would you pair that with the dessert wise? Uh, I'm sorry. What would you um what dessert would you have with the caramel latte? Mm, let me think. The caramel latte is a little bit sweet. So if I pick, I will be pick the um, passion fruit, uh, the more fruitly the the mousse. We also we have mango mousse. Also have the passion fruit mousse cake is also really popular, and uh, they look different. And it's yeah, it's gorgeous how you present um, the different the different desserts. That's that is something that um, in Asian culture, I think that there's more than just what you're eating is the presentation of how how it's plated. Um, and that definitely is something that I find in your establishment. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we also do some the the collaboration with a more chef and more store, and we try to get a you know, offer update and a more cake to customer. And that's good too. So, what are some of the collaborations you're doing? Uh, we with uh, another restaurant and with a chef Nuck, and uh, it's a Thai restaurant. Yeah, we make the passion for the panna cotta for them. Okay. And uh, we just are ready for the new dessert for them. It's a brownie one. And uh, still testing. <laughs> oh. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up for being a tester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> we actually just had Nuck on um, last week. So it's, it's funny that you um, brought her up as one of your collaborative uh, restaurants. Yeah, she's so so nice for help, you know, young people and make the the running a new business. She helped me a lot. Just uh, say Sarah, just a uh, flavor, and we try to work together. <laughs> she's very supportive of um different you yeah. know restaurant owners, so it's it's a good collaboration to have. Um, now. Yeah. You also just celebrated in December your your anniversary. Uh, yes. Do you have any other celebrations or any other events that you are planning to um, offer now that the weather is getting warmer? Uh, yeah, we, uh, me and the chief now we're still talking about for the spring coming, and we make the, some more the promotion for everybody, and uh, also make you make some good ideas but we're still talking about this ah. and later on we will be posting on instagram well that's exciting so we have to um pay attention to your instagram to find <laughs> out when that's gonna be <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so i want to also just t- tell you that i tried the the chocolate mousse too and you had like a ganache that was over top of it, so a hard chocolate, um, or well, it's a soft hard chocolate, and it had like crunchy stuff in inside of it. What was that? The crunchy stuff, uh, yeah, just uh, because uh, we most cake, we try to make the more uh, layer and uh, let people ch- uh, taste uh, more 
different uh, flavor in there. And um, so also the chocolate mousse is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, well, just a couple of days ago, I, I, ate, I ate one. And I said, so, how's that good? So <laughs> it's uh, so good. <laughs> Already chocolate mousse. Exactly. It's not too sweet. It's not too sweet, but it's still, you know, a little bit heavy. If you're a chocolate person, you definitely like that. And I'm a huge chocolate person, so I was, I shared it with um a friend, and uh and it was hard to share because I was like I I want it all. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm really a chocolate person, so I really like the heavy thing. So I'm more like the chocolate stuff, and the chocolate most definitely is my favorite. <laughs> and as a chocolate lover, um, what is your opinion of your chocolate hazelnut? Uh, the hazelnut, the, the around outside is the chocolate to the decoration, but the inside we not use a, a lot of chocolate in, in for the inside. And the, uh, the inside part most uh, is the hazelnut, and the hazelnuts and the hazelnut center in the yeah all around the hazelnut. And it's decadent. I want to say to our listeners that these are desserts that like you know they come plated. It's not like a huge portion, so it's not going to overwhelm you. Um, but there's a, an abundance of flavor and that's rich and decadent. You know, you have that soft airiness of, of the, the mousse with the creaminess, the texture, yeah. the little texture, you know, nuggets that you get. And even just that base that we discussed, the base to help support your mousse cakes makes a huge difference because it just adds that next level of texture and crunch that you know gives it kind of a, a denser oomph to your to your bite. So yeah. I'm I look forward to enjoying some more of your cakes and some more coffee and lattes. I had the mini rose latte, which was absolutely delicious too, um, floral <laughs> and light. And so, how can we find you online? And uh, we we have our website, but still uh, still trying to getting more better. And um, but we also have the delivery company, and it's uh, Chobas, also the GrabHop. Perfect. So if whoever is out there that wants to try Cake and Joe, you can find them on Instagram at Cake and Joe, or online at Cake and Joe, and order yeah. some of their cakes. Uh, it's absolutely delicious. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for, for the, for the, let me introduce my friend. No problem. Now, for anybody out there, you can find all of our previous episodes on Food Farms and Chefs, of Food Farms and Chefs on phillyrestaurantreviews.com. And for finding Gene online, you can find him at ibfoodie2, or you can email him at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com, and you can find me at arpolicus or arpolicus at gmail.com. Thank you, and have a happy Tuesday, everyone. Bye.